Any questions about the service, uh, let me know. Just so you, Roy Thomason is Geneva Thomas's brother-in-law, and uh, Lisa is Heather Tucker's uh, sister. So we'll be praying for that whole uh, family. Well, I'm just going to uh, go to the Lord in, in prayer, uh, and then we'll dive into uh, the scriptures. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a kind and gracious God to hear our prayers. Uh, Lord God, we pray now that as we begin uh, to um, hear your word, that even now you'd be preparing us to respond in faith. And yet, God, you are a God that wants to hear all our prayers. So we begin now, Lord, by laying the request of those who are hurting in, your, in our midst before you. We pray for, for Lisa Thomason and Roy, uh, Lisa who lost a husband and Roy who lost a son. We pray, God, that you would be with that family, Lord, that you would give them grace and mercy. We especially pray for Summer as she just grieves the loss of a father. And God, we thank you so much for the hope that we have in the gospel. We thank you for Steve's testimony of, uh, and baptism in recent days. We pray, God, that you and your grace would surround that family. Father, we pray for all those in our congregation who are struggling physically. We ask your hand to be, on, be with Fred Justice, uh, Barbara McGirt. God, we ask you to be with Jim Halbert, Father. We ask you to be with Ira Williams, Lord. Uh, Lord God, we ask you to be with all our shut-ins, those who, who can't always be with us, God. We pray that our, our thoughts and our, our prayers would not be far from them. Uh, Father, we pray for all those in our congregation who are dealing with transition. Father, uh, either transition now or upcoming transition, we pray, God, that you would give them, them, them peace uh, in the midst of change, God, that they would not fret or worry, that they would just know that you, being the, the gracious and kind Heavenly Father, are orchestrating things according to your will. Father, we also pray for all those expectant mothers in our congregation. We thank you so much for the gift of life, Father. We thank you so much that they have the great privilege of carrying a child inside. We pray, God, that every one of those children are being knit according to your image, that you are giving them unique strengths and passions, that even now, Lord, you are preparing circumstances in this world to call them to yourself, that they would be faithful and fruitful servants in your kingdom. Father, we also ask a special prayer for our nation. Lord, we pray for our leaders. We pray for specifically for President Obama this morning. Lord, we thank you for allowing him to serve our nation for the last eight years. In this last full week of his presidency, Lord God, we pray that you would continue to give him wisdom, Father, that he would lead and govern well. Lord, we, we know that you are the one who places those in authority over us. So, God, we pray that you would uh, be with our leaders, specifically um, President Obama and uh, his family. Father, we also pray for the gospel in our community. Uh, we pray this coming year, in 2017, that you would make uh, the churches and the York Baptist Association more faithful to the gospel, that we'd be more faithful not only in, in the words that we proclaim, but in the lives that we live. So, Father, we pray that your hand would be upon all the pastors uh, this morning. We pray specifically for West End Baptist Church and Pastor Jay. We pray, God, that as he preaches, that he would guard his heart from pride and that he would preach according to your holy word, God, and let the word do uh, the work. Father, we pray now as we prepare uh, to hear the word of God ourselves, Lord. I pray that you would make me decrease and that you would increase. I pray that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth would be pleasing, Lord, in your sight. God, I pray for the people whom I love, whom you've given me to shepherd and pastor. Uh, dear God, I pray that you, O oh Lord, would just uh, give them a passion for your word. Lord, that you would give them a passion to not only hear your word well, but to apply it in their lives. 
that every time they hear the word, God, that they are not satisfied with merely hearing, but want to write that word in their lives and how they live. Father, we pray that you would make Park Baptist Church a holy people. You make Park Baptist Church a people who are formed and love your word. That we are trained in the righteousness that your word teaches. That we are equipped for salvation. God, that we would not neglect the word that you have given us, but God, that we would pay close attention to it lest we drift away. So God, I pray now in this hour, we pray that you would make this time fruitful. By your spirit we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, The former president of World Vision, uh, Bob Siepel, shares a story of a woman he met named Mary. Uh, He was visiting during uh, one of his visits in a Lebanon hospital. Uh, During the 1980s, a civil war broke out in Lebanon, and uh, the Druze militia slaughtered 33 uh, Christian relatives of Mary in one day. A young man, about 20, Uh, came up to Mary during that day, pointed a gun at her and said, renounce the cross or die. Mary said, I was born a Christian and I will die a Christian. The man looked at her in the eye and shot her. The bullet passed through her jaw and neck Uh, The soldier afterward carved a cross on her chest with a knife. Thinking that she was dead, he left. Well, the next day they came back, and Mary, who was still alive, was discovered. And miraculously, they brought her to the hospital. Uh, Sepal recalls his conversation with Mary, who became a quadriplegic, asking why would they shoot her one day and try to save her life the next. She said, sometimes bad people are taught to do good things. And Sepal responded by asking her questions. He said, how do you feel about the person who pulled the trigger? Who made you strapped to a wheelchair? Who who made you a ward of the state? How do you feel about this man? How would she answer that question? If you were in that situation, how would you answer that question? Did she have an answer how she felt about the man who put her in a wheelchair for life? By God's grace, her understanding of the gospel and studying the sacred scriptures gave her the answers to the deepest questions of life. So when he asked, how do you feel about the man who pulled the trigger? She had an answer. She said, I have forgiven my enemies because Christ has forgiven me. And I am looking for the man who hurt me so I can tell him that I have forgiven him. When we understand that we have been forgiven by God, how can we not also forgive others when they sin against us? Mary trusts in her Bible, trusted in her Bible for life and death. She found the answer to all of life's questions in the word of God. Today, it is hard to get people to read their Bibles. With a plethora of entertainment choices and screening, vying for our attention, it is, it is very difficult to convince people to, to find value in reading the Word of God and memorizing it and writing it upon their heart. And if people do read the Bible, they usually focus on the New Testament. The New Testament consists of 27 books, 
uh, following the life of Jesus in the early church. Uh, the New Testament is where most Christians spend their time. It only consists of only a quarter of the entire scriptures. So if Christians do read the Bible, they, they usually focus on the New Testament, which is only 25% of the sacred scriptures. The Old Testament is often ignored in evangelical churches. We think of the Old Testament as laws and lists, genealogies and, and names and words that we cannot pronounce. And if people do read the Old Testament, they're going to read stories of Abraham and Isaac and David and Joseph. The great stories of, of the battles of Goliath and Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And we know that the Old Testament is full of rich stories of miraculous things. And yet it's also full of very difficult and hard passages. Our natural inclination in our lives is to avoid difficult things. Thus, many people avoid tackling the hard-to-understand books of the Old Testament. If I were to ask the average church member to, to tell me about the, the 12 minor prophets, I would probably get a lot of blank stares. If I were going to ask a lot of the average deacons, not in this church but in other churches, about the, the 12 minor prophets, I would also probably get a lot of blank stares. We avoid what we do not understand. And yet the minor prophets, these, these books, were written for our instruction. They were written to help us walk with Christ. And although they're hard to understand, and because they're hard to understand, we look at these minor prophets as inconsequential, not as majorly important. But we know that they're only called minor, not because of their significance, but because of their size. Uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and, and Daniel were called the major prophets because of the size of their books. These minor prophets were only called minor because of their, their size. Over the next several weeks, what we plan on doing is going over and studying these minor prophets. Uh, and I want to give you some, some, some groundwork today to prepare you for why we should be excited about studying Obadiah and Habakkuk and Zephaniah, right? Why should we study these books that were in the Old Testament? Well, the first reason, not in your notes, but still good, is all of the Bible is breathed out by God and useful for our lives. Second uh, Timothy 3, 14 through 17 says this. Paul says to young pastors, he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you have firmly believed, knowing that from whom you learned it and from how childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So the, the, that which is able to make Timothy wise for salvation was the Old Testament text. And he goes on to say, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. The minor prophets were written so that you would be trained in righteousness, that you would be reproved, that you would be corrected, that you would be uh, molded more and more into the image of Christ. All scripture is designed to help you grow up to him who is the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, as I said before, we know that Paul is referring to the Old Testament here because the New Testament uh, 
had not been written by this point. Therefore, to neglect the minor prophets is to neglect the valuable instruction that can help you become wise to salvation. Paul encourages Timothy to continue in what he has learned and has firmly believed. We have been commanded to continue to study and to live on the whole counsel of God's word. Even at that great scene at the end of, near the end of Paul's ministry in, in Ephesus, he gathered the elders of the church and says, I did not shrink to teach you the, the whole counsel of God's word. So my job as, as your pastor is to teach you the, the whole counsel of God's word, even though you may not be uber excited about the minor prophets. It's useful to help us become like Jesus. This coming spring, many college students, aspiring college students, are going to, to visit campuses across our country and going to be asking questions about these prospective universities in hopes of clarifying where they're going to spend the next four years of their life. Do they have my major? What are the, the study abroad programs like? Are there any Christian ministries on campus or healthy churches nearby? How does the, the food taste at the, the door, at the, at the um, cafeteria? It's cold. Are the dorm rooms small? Is there off-campus housing? Is there financial aid? Where, what do we do on the weekends? How are the library facilities? Does the professors care about the students? Is there a high student-teacher ratio? Uh, will this school help my future? Will this school help me form... Help me grow in my walk with Christ. Would God be honored if I tend to this school? See, asking good questions when, a, when, a, when an aspiring college student approaches a campus helps them make good decisions. A friend once asked Isidore uh, Rabbi, who was a Nobel Prize winning scientist, um, how, why did he want to become a scientist? A rabbi replied that every day after school, his mother would talk to him about a school day. She wasn't so much concerned with what he had learned that day, but what he inquired. He said, she asked him, did you ask a good question today? He said, asking good questions made me become a scientist. If we want to live right, we have to ask the right questions. I think too often we don't stop to, to ask any questions, let alone think about the good questions in which to ask. The minor prophets may seem like a, a, a very illogical place uh, to, to seek answers, but the right questions will help us guide us to understand more of Christ, more of living for Christ and becoming like him. So if you have your, your Bibles open to Luke 24, uh, after Jesus rose from the dead, uh, we, Jesus encounters these two men who are walking away from Jerusalem. I think that's very important. These two men had, had heard Jesus teach. They spent time with Jesus. They even believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And they even heard that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead by people in their company. And what were they doing? They were walking away from Jerusalem. Listen to this interaction. Look at, as, we, as we pick up the, the text in verse 17. And Jesus said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? 
And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and, for, and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women, women of our company amazed us. They went at the tomb early in the morning, and they went and did not find his body. They came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who had said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us, who were with us went to the tomb and found that it was just as the women had said, but they did not see him. And then this is what Jesus says. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus went to the prophets to show these disciples that he was the Christ. Jesus said, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer and die these things and enter into his glory. See, these Jews did not know their Bibles. They did not interpret rightly the Old Testament prophets. We do not want to be like these men who heard the story of Jesus, but instead of believing, they, they left because they did not understand. Do you know why a lot of young people walk away from the faith every year? They walk away from the faith because they do not understand the Bible. And I think a lot of people walk away from the Baptist church because they think the Baptist church doesn't teach sound doctrine. If I were to ask many of you who grew up in the Baptist church, how many sermons have you heard on Obadiah? I probably would not see a lot of shooting hands go up. How many sermons have you heard on John 3.16? There's, 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 a, there's a lot there. I pray that the minor prophets will, will help us understand more of the gospel, the glorious gospel of, of grace, by helping us to ask and answer the right questions. So if you are here and you're not a Christian, have you ever asked that question? Have you ever asked why do Christians care about grace? Why is that so important? Well, grace is the unmerited favor of God. The Bible says that we are sinners and have rebelled against God. We all know we have not lived perfect lives. We have not done or said the things that, that we wanted. We, we have regrets, shame. Our own, conscience, our own conscience condemns us. We know we are sinners, and if, we, if we, we stopped and slowed down, we would know that our sin would deserve eternal hell, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. But the good news of, of the gospel, the good news of grace is that while we were deserving of hell and wrath, God gave us the Lord Jesus Christ as a gift for us. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. And after he was dead and, and buried, God raised him from the dead, showing the entire world that he accepted the sacrifice of Jesus for sinners on their behalf. So we bring our sin, our shame, our guilt, 
our regrets, our past pains every single week when we confess our sins and we trust in what Christ has done for us on the cross. The cross that says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The cross that says that God's grace is greater than your sin. Jesus has made peace through the blood of his cross. God gives us grace. So before we even dive into our our, our text today, I'm thinking about the the minor prophets. Have you, non-Christian, those who are coming into our midst today, have you asked yourself the question, what is grace? And have you sought out the answer? The Bible says that grace is offered to all. All who would turn from their sins and trust in Christ and Christ alone for salvation. Asking the right question about grace will lead you to grace. The grace of the cross. I do believe that the minor prophets help us ask and answer the right questions. So there's three major points from this morning. Why the minor prophets? How can we benefit from them? The first is answering historical questions. Answering historical questions. The minor prophets are written about real historical prophets in the midst of Israel's real history. The Christian faith, you've heard me say often, is rooted and grounded in history. Uh, the minor prophets take, period, uh, take place over from the 8th century to the 5th century uh, B.C. Uh, the better we understand our history, the better we are able to understand our present If we know what God is saying in the Old Testament, we have a better understanding of what God communicates through the New. Really what the New Testament is, especially Paul's letters, so you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and pretty much the rest of the Bible is interpreting what the Old Testament says. And we see that a little bit in the Gospels, but the Gospels are communicating how Jesus fulfills those those prophecies. So when you understand the minor prophets in their historical context, the, the New Testament actually comes alive. It actually gives it more fullness. Each of the minor prophets will see God's spirit work in a particular time, in a particular people's life. Now, the Western intellectual elite of our day want to strip Christianity of this historical context. If they can divorce the Bible from its historical setting, then they can take its message and make it more mythological than factual. That's what they do. They kind of they take this the idea of Christianity and they want to say Christianity is not factual, it's philosophical. Therefore you can debate it. But what we're studying the minor prophets, we're seeing God move in history that you cannot deny. These are facts that happened in the history of Israel. People who talk about Christianity do not talk about its historicity. But the meaning of its message is divorced from that history. Christianity is a historical religion. The Christ of faith is the Christ of history. So from Genesis to Revelation, what we see is we see God acting in history. Now, why is that so important? It's because do you believe that God can act in your life? If you believe that God can act in your life, you will see God acting in the history of of the world. We pray and we ask God to move in our lives because we believe that he does. Another beauty of looking at this history 
is that we are connected more and more to being the one people of God. The story of the Old Testament, the story of Israel is our story. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says that Jesus broke down the wall of hostility between Jew and Gentiles, making them now one people. So when we read and study the people of God in the Old Testament, we are seeing that we are with them. We are people who had the faith of Abraham. We have the people who have the, the faith of the Messiah. Their story is our story. And one day when we're gathered around the throne, we're going to celebrate in the, the grand story of the gospel to all people. The second thing is that the, the Minor Prophets answers theological questions. It answers theological questions. Now we all know that sentences are powerful. We, we never quote an entire movie. We only quote the, the good lines in that movie. Every man dies, and not every man truly lives. William Wallace from Braveheart. Get busy living, or get busy dying. Andy Dufresne from the Shawshank Redemption. What we do in life echoes an eternity. Maximus Decimus Meridius from The Gladiator. You watch a two-hour movie, and you remember one sentence. And that one sentence impacts you. I mean, many of you are listening to this entire message. And even if you listen to this entire 35, 40-minute message, you may only remember one sentence. One sentence can change you. They can lift your, your mood. They can radically transform your life. We are drawn to things that are quotable. Even now in the quick 140-character world of Twitter that we live in, if it's not tweetable, people don't want to say it. We live in, that, in, in the short things that we remember. So when people are asked about their favorite verses, what is your life verse? Does anybody have a life verse here that's from the Minor Prophets? Just for you guys who aren't looking around, that's nobody. Right? No one has these, uh, these verses, but the, the, the Minor Prophets is rich. It's rich of these full and glorious verses. And I pray that as we open up these books, that you are reading through them, that, that God would just take these sentences, these words of his, and smash them upon your hearts. So we love verses that we can memorize. Let me just give you a sampling, just to, to kind of give you what's your appetite for the, for the month, months ahead. Habakkuk 2, 4, the righteous shall live by faith. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Haggai 1.5 Therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you are never satisfied. You never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. He who earns wages does so to put them in bags with holes. Joel 2.28 And it shall come to pass after that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. 
That should be familiar to many of you. Zephaniah chapter 3, 14 through 17. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exalt with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments against you. The Lord has taken away your judge, the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst, and you shall never again fear evil. On that day it will be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let your hands grow, not grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Micah 6.8 he has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Zechariah 4.6 Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Amos 5.4 But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Jonah 2.9, salvation belongs to the Lord. Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. I mean, there's great verses, great things we can write upon our own hearts. And I think studying the, the, the minor prophets as a beautiful picture of God's blessed grace it will not be drudgery, something that we have to do because we're supposed to do it because it's in the Bible, but it'll be a beautiful uh, act of worship to the Lord. And I pray that we as a people would not be destroyed by our lack of knowledge. The American church has often been destroyed by its lack of knowledge. Heretics rise up in their midst and they, the people of God run after them because they, they say what they want them to what their ears want to hear. I pray that you will take the, the, the word of God in the minor prophets and write them upon your hearts, seeing them in their historical and theological contents. You know, the, the minor prophets is full of excellent theology. If we believe that God is the ultimate author of the scriptures, so from Genesis to Revelation, there is many earthly authors, but there is one who wo has woven them all together. So if you understand the message of Hosea, and Obadiah and Zechariah, you will understand more the grand story of, of the gospel as revealed in the entire scriptures. If you love Jesus, as you, many of you do, as we sung out, my Jesus, I love you, I love thee, then if you understand the minor prophets, you will have a greater love for Jesus because the knowledge of him and the gospel will grow in your hearts. If all of life is about knowing and loving God through his son, by his spirit, that we should rejoice in anything that can help us in that great and glorious task. That means that it may be harder for you to understand the sermons over the next three or four months because they are, they're not going to be familiar with you. That may mean that you have to prepare yourself for church every single week. That means you may have to read the Bible in preparation because you are not familiar with what's being said so you can understand it. Well, isn't that a glorious thing that you get to spend more time in the Word of God so you can know and love Jesus more so that in four months from now you are going to be formed more and more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ himself? That's exciting. Lastly, 
I do think that the, the minor prophets will answer life's questions, answering life's questions. Uh, when I approach the minor prophets, even as a pastor, I'm probably less familiar with them than I am in the New Testament. I kind of live and dream and sleep and memorize the Pauline epistles. Absolutely love them. So when I approach the, the minor prophets, I have to really dig in and study. Um, my, uh, my old pastor, Mark Dever, uh, he made a huge, has made a huge impact on my life. And uh, my ministry has probably has reflection all over it. You know, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Uh, when he taught the minor prophets to his congregation about 20 years ago, uh, he called his series Eternal Questions. And he framed each of the, of the overview sermons that he gave with a question, an eternal question. And we're going to model that, uh, this series off of him uh, to be a benefit to us. We'll take some of his questions and following his example. Of course, the teaching and the application uh, will be my own. Um, we know that imitation is the highest form of flattery, uh, but plagiarism is lazy and sinful. So that won't happen. Uh, we will study the minor prophets in its historical context and apply the meaning to our congregation in our life today. And so life is really important, full of these important questions. Um, what is love? Is God fair? Does God hate? Who will have the last word? Is every opinion equal? I pray that you will find answers to those questions. Because some questions demand answers. Alfred Gibbs shares this story of his friend who was in uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, his friend was walking uh, down and he saw in the gutter a, 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 a note in large letters says 5,000 pounds reward. This is what Gibbs says. He says his friend moved with curiosity to say nothing of the desire to possess the substantial reward. He stooped down and retrieved the paper. It turned out to be a four-page gospel track. On opening it, he read, 5,000 pounds will be paid to the person who can answer the following question. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Needless to say, the reward remains unclaimed to this day. Beloved, there are some questions that demand answers. Getting the wrong one can have dire consequences. So I pray that as we study the minor prophets, we will ask and answer some of life's major questions. And by asking those questions, I pray that we will find the answers in God's word. So let us ask the right questions and seek the right answers so, can we, so that we can live in the right way for the one who sits at the right hand of God Almighty. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great grace. We thank you for uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ who, who now sits at the right hand of God. We thank you, Lord God, that the Lord Jesus Christ in his resurrected body testified to the importance of, of the prophets in explaining that Christ was supposed to suffer and die and be rose again. Dear God, I pray that the people here at Park Baptist Church would not perish for lack of knowledge. That over the next several weeks, oh Lord God, we, that you would help us have wisdom and insight and understanding as we study what your prophets of old have said about the Son who came to rescue us from our sins. We pray, God, that you would give us wisdom, you'd give us understanding, and that you would give us a greater love for the Savior. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's respond 